the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. All right, folks. Welcome to Yak Radio FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, this hour is brought to you by Southwest Point of Sale. If you have a little small grocery store, liquor store, and you're having trouble getting cashiers, check out Southwest Point of Sale. Go to southwestpos.com. They'll come to your location, take a look. Hey, and if it fits, they'll hook you up for the price of a cash register. Southwest Point of Sale. And San Diego Propane. Live in East County. Hook yourself up with Dave and his family. SD-Propane.com. SD-Propane.com. 619-460-1705. They take care of me, but unfortunately, they only take care of East County customers. But give them a call. They'll definitely come and check you out. And last but not least, West Escondido Auto and Trans. Four locations. Go to westautomotivegroup.com. Find a Napa Auto Care ASC certified AAA approved garage right next to you. Warranties good clear across the United States. That's West Escondido Auto and Trans. All right. As the title says, let's get ready to rumble. Thanks to Brendan. He was nice enough to hook me up with one amazing individual. Uh, Brendan gave me his book, Pin Me, Pay Me, and that's my new slogan, except I don't want to be pinned by anybody. Uh, This book is all about Bobby Blaze Smedley, and if you're into wrestling, you will know that name 100%. Bobby, are you there? I'm right here, Dave. Man, thanks. I appreciate you having me on your program this afternoon. And uh, appreciate the introduction, my brother. Well, let me tell you what, and I've told a lot of folks: if you've didn't, if you've never really understood wrestling, and you're kind of intrigued, I highly recommend your book because your book answered so many questions for me that I can't thank you enough. And I knocked this bad boy out in a week, and I didn't start till Tuesday. But once you get into this book. You can't put it down, but you really broke down the world of wrestling because, you know, I was watching this uh, Friday night Smackdown. I don't know where they were at, but man, that stadium was packed to the roof. Right on. Yeah. Hey, man, that's the thing. I get a lot of, and I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that with you putting the book over, man. That's, that's kind of what it's about. Um, you know, putting other people over and, and I got to see the world through through professional wrestling, you know, and that's the whole deal. I've got several. Uh, there's over 130 reviews on Amazon on the book, wow. and there's people that say you don't have to be a wrestling fan no. to appreciate, you know, what's in the book. But the true wrestling fans, it opens up. It's it's a you know see it's, it's a look behind the curtain, if you will, you know, uh, behind the, the business, and um, you know that was pretty much my life for many many years. And so I was just like, you know, when I come up, I had this idea of writing a book, and it was 
pin me, pay me, have boost will travel, you know. <laughs> I'll come to your town, I'll make you look like a star, you know what I'm saying? But give me my paycheck, and I'm going to move on to the next town or city or, or, or country in, in some incidents, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. And you've been everywhere. You've been to London. You've been to Japan. I mean, you have flown to Japan, and I think turned around and flew back, went to the bathroom at your house, and then flew to Br- flew to England. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thing is, I didn't get to go to my house. My family was on vacation up in Maryland. <laughs> I was living in Kentucky at the time. I flew in. I flew. In, I flew into Kentucky. Uh, actually, flew into West Virginia. Drove, drove straight up to um, to Maryland where my family was vacationing at. And by the end of that week, I, I was uh, on a flight out of uh, BWI uh, back back to uh, to England. So, oh my god! Uh, so yeah, is what, and I think I'd been in Japan at that point like six weeks that summer. It was oh a summer god. tour. I did five tours in Japan, so I'm not sure which one it was. But anyway, yeah. long story short, I was I was home for a week, but I wasn't even home. You know? <laughs> so that's but that's the that's the have boost will travel part. You, yeah, know, you that's right. Be ready to go. Now, Brendan, yeah, you I, were nice enough to set this up. You jump right in, my friend. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I wanted to start things off by asking, what really got you into wrestling itself? Because in the book, it starts off with you talking about how you were watching television just one day. With, her like, grand, with his grandmother. Yes. And just wanting to, it's like, I want to do this as my career. I want to be a professional wrestler. But yeah. what truly, truly got you into professional wrestling? Was it a friend who showed it to you and you're like, oh, I need to go do that now? Or was there a particular match where you watched and you're like, wow, I, if that was amazing, how amazing would it be if I was doing the same thing as that person? So Yeah, uh, well, I was a lifelong fan. And and like said, uh, Dave said there, I was watching my grandmother and my aunt, and I was watching the way back when the old WWF. Three days. And, um, and I was uh, six years old, maybe. And then uh, we moved. Um, my family did. And I was up in Maryland, and I moved to Kentucky. And about four years had passed, and my little brother came running out and said, hey, you got to see this, you got to see this. And there's about four years between us. And so he was like the first age, you know, my age when I first saw it. And I ran back in, and we caught the tail end of a program. And I told him, I said, hey, man, that's pro wrestling. Well, we started finding it every week. You know, we, we started watching the old Memphis tapes out of Memphis, Tennessee, and that's Jerry Lawler's territory. Uh, if anyone's not familiar with that, that's the old Memphis territory wrestling, mm-hmm. Memphis heat, the old school wrestling. And then fast forward about five years, I was 15. I was heading out to basketball practice one morning. And then one of the stories is called um, uh, Going Back, I think, or something like that. Anyway, I was past the TV set, and I saw Jerry Lawler and uh, handsome Jimmy Valiant, who, who's boogie-woogie man Jimmy Valiant, and, and they started doing an interview on each other. And I was like, oh, man, I want to do that one day. I'm going to do that one day. <laughs> of course, 15-year-olds just don't jump up and do that one day. Um, I finished high school and did some college. And I dropped out at 21 because I knew everything I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I sure. Did, I, did go, I did go back at 40, and I finished, and I had my master's degree just so you know. But at 21, of course, the guy knows everything. So I wanted to get in professional wrestling. And um, I found a guy locally within a couple hours where I, my home was at the time. And I learned a little bit and had about 10 to 12 matches, maybe 15, up in Kentucky, Tennessee area. And uh, I was in a match, and I did not know anything. And But I had been sending out wrestling uh, promo pictures to promoters throughout the country and a person from Minnesota got me in touch with 
uh, Professor Boris Malenko in his camp in Tampa, Florida. And I knew then I was in this match in Kentucky, and, and I saw these guys that were so professional in the ring. I had, someone didn't show up, so he put me in a main event, pretty much just said, hey, stand there in the corner and do what we tell you to do. Well, I hadn't been told that before. Like, you know, there, there's a – listen, you know, there's, there's a way you do this. We can work this business, you know. It's, it, it's being a professional. So I stood there, and I got in a couple of times. And, of course, they at the end, a guy come across, jumped on me, and I held him. The other guy was holding me from behind. He said, just hold him down. And I pulled him down, and one, two, three, and it was over. And uh, I said, man – I went back. I was, I was teaming with a guy named Buddy Landell, and I went in the back with him. And I said, "Buddy, how do you how do you do that?" He goes, "He goes, you got to find you a good trainer." And uh, I already knew about the Malenko camp, and I didn't know at the time, but Buddy Landell had been through that camp several years before. Mm-hmm. So um, that's when I decided, "Hey, I'm gonna pack my bags, move to Tampa, Florida," and uh, that's where I met my mentor, the great Professor Boris Malenko. And his son, his oldest son is Joe Malenko. But uh, you may have heard of this guy. He's one of the best ever to lace up a pair of boots. That was Dean Malenko. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Dean took over my training when I when he was about <clears throat> when I excuse me, when I was about forty when I was about four months into my training, Dean came in and said, Hey man, dad said you're pretty good. You're you're athletic and you're very coachable. I'm gonna start working with you some. And you know, at that time Dean was going to Japan quite a bit. He wasn't, you know, the big EC, he wasn't ECW, WCW, or WWF star at the time. This is way before that. But he had traveled all over the world um, wrestling, and he had worked for WWF back in the day as a referee in the Tampa area whenever to come to, you know, just pick up a paycheck or whatever. But here I am learning from one of the best in the world, and that's what really influenced me there. Like, And I went to that camp at the time four days a week uh, for four months straight, and when I got done with that training, with the conditioning with Professor Boris Malenko, the in-ring work with Dean and some of the students there, and then many of the professionals that came through there, because a lot of guys would come through there. They was very well known. They would be say they was going on a tour to Japan or whatever. They'd come through to you know to get the ring rust off before they went back on the road for sure. WWF or or Japan or wherever they were going. And um, that that's kind of what happened, man. And from there, it just took off. Tell you I, what, uh, hey Bobby, we got hey Bobby, we yeah. got to take a break. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but I gotta pay the bills, brother. That's okay. But I can't help to say, you just don't go down to Malenko and s- start getting trained. You have <laughs> to have some freaking talent, and we'll talk about that when we come back. Because how did Bobby get talent? I mean, come on, he played basketball. I know it's rough out there, but it isn't that rough. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. The segment's brought to you by South Bay Auto House, Mercedes-Benz Service and Repair. If you're looking for a dealer alternative, you can't beat South Bay Auto House. Go to www.autohousesouthbay.com. Uh, or give Gary or Rick a call, make an appointment. You can go down. They've got they've got certified uh, pre-owned uh, Mercedes Benz. They do every maintenance you could ever ask for. Twenty five years experience, family owned and operated. You just really can't can't go wrong. And Bumper Docs and T scratches, dings and dents, maybe a paint job, whatever it is. Before you go to the big body shop, check out Bumper Docs and T. Another family-owned and operated business, SanteeBumperDoc.com, SanteeBumperDoc.com. All right, 
we're talking to Billy Blay Smedley, uh, world-renowned wrestler. I guess you could say sort of in the 90s. But I understand, uh, Billy, that you're, you've got a match coming up. Yeah, it's Bobby Blaze. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What did I say, no, Billy? No, it's all good. Yeah, I've been. Uh, people have called me Billy before that, but I'm no Billy. But I'm not uh, going to call Bobby. you that. Hey, I'm not going to call you that. What was it? That Bobbly? Yeah, Bobbly over in England. Yeah, Blob, <laughs> Blobby. They call me Blobby. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I, that guy's still standing. <laughs> well, I the pants were. Uh, I'd forgotten my pants. Uh, There's in another van because I was doing an afternoon show. I was doing a double shot. Uh-huh. And I went two separate ways. So half my, I only had half my outfit. And I had a shirt that was two sizes too small and a pants I found in the back. It was at this uh, summer camp vacation camp. I put them on, and, man, I mean, my blob was just hanging out of it. And I was decent shape at the time. But, but to, to those people, they had a good kick out of it, you know. Yeah, so, sure yeah, did. I'm, but, um, so let's yeah, go back. So, let's go back to my last question. Because, yeah. I mean, you, the most you did was what, basketball? Did you do any wrestling in school? Yeah, so I did uh, in the eighth, eighth grade a little bit um, for football practices, for conditioning. Yeah. But, uh, so I did wrestle, but not on a team. And then um, after I played a couple years of junior college basketball, I um, I did wrestle at the YMCA, a little, re- little wrestling league we had at the YMCA. And again, it wasn't very big, but it was, it was enough to give me just a – uh, wet my whistle, if you will, mm. a little bit about some wrestling because I really didn't know anything. Right. And once I got the Malenkos, um, like I said, I had those 10 or 12 matches up in the Kentucky, Tennessee area. And when I went down there and met him for the very first time, we had been corresponding via – first time was via a snail mail now. Yeah. And then we started talking on his phone a couple of times, uh, one of his agents, and then, then him and myself. But um, when I got there, he, he put me through a little match. Um, he sat outside the ring and he had a guy that was there was experienced and, and we walked through a match and he had me do this and do that. And he took me out back and he said, Hey, Bobby, um, here's what I'd like you to do. I, I see you've got a lot of potential. It looks like you work out, but, but there's a big difference between having show muscle and go muscle. Uh, we do a lot of conditioning here. It's not going to be easy, but if you listen to me, if you show up, listen to me and more importantly, listen to me with your undivided attention. Uh, and forget about everything you know about professional wrestling and let me train you from square one, you're going to be all right, I think. Hmm. Then we have a deal. And I shook his hand, and I'm big on a handshake deal. And when I shook his hand, you know, I knew then I was going to start showing up. And, and of course, after a handshake, he said, now, come on. And he made me do a bunch of Hindu squats <laughs> out in the hot Tampa sun and a bunch of push-ups and a bunch of laps around this uh, <sighs> the area we're staying, where the ring was set up at. Excuse me, literally kicked my ass. Uh, sorry, literally kicked my butt to the ground and uh, said, now, show up again next Tuesday. This was on Sunday. And he said, um, if you come back, you come back. If you don't, you don't. Well, I showed up on that Tuesday, as mentioned, and I just kept coming back, you know. And what they call uh, that? 50, it. Is it 50 and 2? Where ten, you do ten the. Ten ones, the 10 and 1 Hindu. Uh, that's it. 10 Hindu push ups and, uh, set, uh, excuse me, Hindu squats. Then you do one push up. Well, then you jump right back up. You do nine. Hindu uh, squats, two push-ups, and uh, you just do that to your to your five gun. Do you're doing one squat and ten push-ups, and then right there after the changeover, you have to go back down. So you do another ten push-ups, wow. one Hindu, and you work your way back. So by the time you're done, you've got about 110 push-ups, 110 deep knee bends, and um, then you do a neck bridge for about three minutes, 
and then you do another set of those. It, once you get in condition, no one just starts off doing those. Oh, uh, thank like goodness. That. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Hey, Brendan, put that down on your things to do list. And get started on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I still do about 100 Hindu squats at least once a week. Do you I really? Old knees. Yeah, but I still do. I'll do uh, four sets of 25. I'll do two sets of 50. Um, it's been two years since I've done a, a straight 100. Uh, but I sometimes I get my mind, uh, and I, I plan on here soon to, to knock out 100 straight again because I've got something upcoming. Yeah. But, I, um, yeah, I still do them at least. I do Hindu squats at least twice a week. But, uh, again, I break them down to smaller segments. So, so uh, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I don't mind you asking one bit, man. I'm 59 years old, wow. you know, and um, I've had a lot of health issues through the years, and uh, some things happened in this area that um, uh, had this opportunity come up. Uh, at a, I've been helping some young professional young people that want to break into professional wrestling. I've been helping and coaching and training, and and what I do is like I said, I just I just figured this, it, the knowledge that I have, it would be. Uh, it would be a disservice to the people that want to come over and learn how to learn how to professional become a, become a professional wrestler. Right. It'd be disservice if I didn't share my knowledge, but it's also a disservice to myself if I keep this knowledge to myself, you right. know? Right. And, um, so I'm paying it forward, so to say. And, um, at 59, I've had this opportunity to have one more match and I'm going to do it February 18th in a small town car in Ironton, Ohio. And, uh, it's going to be at the Rone theater and, uh, yeah, so I'm going to – and I, they're going to name my opponent later this week. Um, I'm just really looking forward to it because it's motivated me to train a little bit more. I've uh, been riding a bike some, again, doing a Hindu squat. Can't do push-ups too good. I've got two – both my shoulders are – my body's pretty messed up. Yeah. You know what? I know this. I'm going to go out there and do my very best because i got a lot to prove. Uh, I really have nothing left to prove, but I have a lot to prove to myself. Right. So I'm going to do this one more time because – I see these young students. I want them to see if you can still have fun with this. Yeah. Um, also, I'm going to dedicate it to Malenko and another gentleman that was 59 when he had his last match, a gentleman named Dark Shadow yeah. that used to wrestle in this area. And I said, you know, hey, them guys are around, but I still am, and I'm here for a reason and a purpose. And if that's my purpose, get out of bed each morning, I'm going to do it one more time. Dave. Sure. And don't forget, pin me, pay me. That's right. That's right. So no matter what happens in the match, I'm really just wanting to get paid. <laughs> I could help. I'm not Brett, even doing I, it I just, at this point, to be honest. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I mean. That's uh, probably the motivating factor. It there really you go. Is. I was going to say, uh, Rick Flair still performed his last match last year. He, was, he was on last night, or he was on uh, Friday night. Yeah, because uh, he's uh, doing his, uh, he's going to be showing up on Monday because it's going to be the 30th anniversary of Raw. Oh, uh, is which it? Is okay. A, yeah. So that's coming up I soon. Heard ahead, and I don't watch that program a lot, but I, I was, you know, of course, I, I'm on the Twitter and Instagram, and I'll go ahead and do a cheap plug real quick. I'm sure. at Bobby Play 744. I'm not on Facebook, but on Twitter and Instagram, I'm, again, I'm at Bobby Play 744. But I do stay attuned with, you know, what's going on in professional wrestling. I heard they're going to have a lot of stars show up tomorrow night on Raw, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and like yeah, I said, Rick Flair great. was uh, 79. And he was having his last match last he looks year. Good. Now, what was He's, that, Bobby Blaze? What? Uh, Seven forty-four. Okay, I just want to write that down because I'm definitely because now you got me hooked. Okay, I have to tell you, if that book that book hooked me, I mean, I I can't tell you. And one of the things that I took from that book, and I want to make sure I say it now before we get towards the end, and I I forget because I'm older than you, is the fact that you 
shook everybody's hand who you went up against win lose or draw you shook the hand of the referee you shook the hand of the of the guy i think that is such a strong message especially in today's society you know what i mean yeah well i mentioned it would be a big uh you know to me a man's not as good as his word and and if i got a handshake with a guy and i tell him to do something that i'm gonna do it you know um, and I expect the same thing in return if a person shakes my hand. So, uh, yeah, in the wrestling business, it's not uncommon to go into a locker room, and, and not so much nowadays. I still go to shows uh, other than during COVID. But I, I was going to a show um, about once every six weeks. There were several shows within a, a professional wrestling show within about an hour and a half of my house. Uh, so I would go to one every, you know, just, just to stay in tune with sure. the some of the up-and-comers that I may have helped in the past and also see some old friends that were still wrestling. But, um, you know, it's not uncommon to go to the locker room and shake people's hands. Well, nowadays I don't see it a lot, but when I two things I say as soon as you get to the training, you're going to wipe your feet before you get to this ring because this is like our home. And then also um, shake everyone's hand in the building because when that person that comes to that locker room, you may be facing that person. And you want to do business with that person. And guess what? These shows don't work unless that ring's there. So you shake the ring crew's hand and you tell them, gentlemen, or, or if the girl there too, you shake their hand and say, thanks for setting a ring up. And if there's concession people, hey, you'd be nice to those people, man. They bust their butt all day going out and getting the, the, the inventory or whatever to run concessions, you know. So it's all one big deal. And uh, so if someone looks at me and comes close to me or I'm in a vicinity, I'm reaching over and shaking her hand. And when I'm definitely going to shake the hand no matter who I'm working because, one, I want to go out there and have a good match. And I'm going to give you the best match I can, make you look as good as you can, get all my stuff in to look as good as I can. And when it's all said and done, I don't care if it's win, lose, or draw. I mean, if this part of a program – and I know where that program is going. Right. Yeah, I want to win, you know, or I want to put the guy over, depending again. But also, I'm going to do it to everyone in that locker room, too, so they see there's a professional. When I walk away, they say, that gentleman right there is a professional. That's and, awesome. And um, I think that's very important. And especially, like you said, in today's society, I don't, you know, some of these younger people, uh, I'm not going to sit here and browbeat my day and age. No, <laughs> I'm not the cranky old not going to be a cranky old man, but I could be an Audrey or whatever. But uh, I'm just saying I do it because I want to set an example that, you know what, uh, when I shake your hand, it means something. Right. And that is so few and far. And I will have to say before we go to break, I told – because Brendan came up with this idea – of it was it you that came up with the idea or was it me? No, I came up with yeah. it. I think yeah, because I'm always doing this hour. I mean, I do six hours of radio every Sunday, but this hour is open to anything and everything. So I asked Brendan. I says, yeah, or Brendan says, hey, I got an idea for the show, and I says, what do you got? He says, how about if we talk to a wrestler? And I says, who do you got? And you were the one he picked, and this guy knows just about as many wrestlers as you do. Just wanted thank to you, wanted Brandon. to throw that out there. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I, my oh, father-in-law knows him personally. I, I, I got to put your follow Eric over too. I haven't seen the gentleman in forty years. Wow! And I got to see him this summer. Um, it's been about an hour or so with them. So uh, 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 thank you very much, sir. Well, you can say hi because he's he's listening right now. Uh, hey, Eric, how are you, buddy? <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a Keep quick living your life, man. Yes, indeed. Let's take a quick break. More with Bobby Blaze right here on. FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer.
All right, folks. Welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. San Diego Gear and Axle. Anything under the car, they can do it. Two-wheel, four-wheel, all-wheel. Makes no difference. Steve is the guy. Give him a call at 858-449-2 or 5656. All right. We got our buddy Bobby Blaze on the line, thanks to Brendan. And uh, he's quite the guy, folks. And and if you ever have an opportunity to meet him, you will be forever touched by a man with principles, the guy with the most loving heart. I've And I got this all out of a book. And by the way, Bobby, is this book still available? Can people get it? Yes, absolutely. Um, just go to Amazon. It's under Bobby Blaze Smedley. If you just type in Bobby Blaze, It'll go over there. It'll give you. Um, it'll give you my author link on on uh, Amazon. Um, it's available in print edition as well as uh, fast, easy download on a Kindle yeah. or you know any readable you know e reader I should say. But yes, they're absolutely available. Uh-huh. Also, um, if you hit me up at Bobby Blaze, I'm more active on Twitter, but I, I'm getting more and more active back on Instagram again. Uh, again, at Bobby Blaze seven forty four. If you write me. And uh, tell me, you know, you heard me on this program, uh, or however you, if you want an autographed copy of the book, Ooh. I still send out autographed copies. Um, they go for twenty dollars plus five dollars shipping and handling. Wow. On Amazon, they're only fifteen dollars, but of course, it's not autographed there uh, on Amazon. And I have a second book called I the I kicked out on two the Educational Wrestler. They're both available on Amazon. And, again, uh, they're easy to uh, download as well through Amazon. So let's, but, uh, again, you hit me up, and I'll send you one out, man. Yeah, well, I already got you on Instagram. Now you just got to get over to uh, Twitter. Twitter. So tell us yeah. about the second book. What? Because what, uh, the first book was kind of, who are you? What was the yeah. second book? Second book, basically a little bit about life after wrestling. Ah. Um, I've got some stories in there. It's about life on the road too. I mean, I've got some stripper stories in there. And who doesn't love, who doesn't enjoy a good stripper story? <laughs> Absolutely. <you know>? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I've got some road stories and just some different things that happen in the other countries. Like I mentioned, you know, I've been to um, England, South Africa, um, Australia. You know, and, and I've been in forty two of the U.S. of the of the 50 states here in the U.S. I got through quite a bit of traveling and meet some unique people. And, and I just tell some stories about that. Um, talk about just, you know, eating a big old fat cheeseburger sometimes when you're, you're trying to do your best nutrition-wise. But sometimes, by George, you just have to have a, a big old greasy <laughs> hamburger or cheeseburger. Um, it's just about life. Um, you know, uh, I, there's, a, there's a story called Aging Well. And, um, you know, I was uh, a little bit over 50 when that book came out. And people were the main main thing that some people took away from that. I heard from guys would write me on 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 Twitter, Instagram, and say, "Man, I'm pissed off at you because you still have your hair." Because I still have a full <laughs> head of hair, and I said, "Yeah, well, it's getting grayer." Because it was still blonde when I wrote it. Now I've got more gray and silver, in, of course. But like, I'm pissed off at you still have a head of hair. I'm losing mine, and we're the same age. I'm like, "Hey, that's your problem, man." You that's know. right. But uh, and you're pushing so, yeah. a mullet. You're still pushing the mullet. <laughs> I'm still pushing it, man. That's right. I think there's Theo Vaughn, the comedian, yeah. uh, Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, and myself. Uh, I'm still out there pushing the ball up, man, at 59. Hey, man, as long as you can rock it, brother, I would be right there with you. Let me tell you. There you go. Brandon, you got yeah. a question? Yeah. So uh, going back to how you were saying you were uh, internationally traveled, going to all yeah. different sorts of crowds, uh, I've heard plenty of other wrestler interviews where they say Japanese fans – 
are very respectable over the wrestling stars that come over there. Uh, and then yeah. I also heard that people in Puerto Rico are very, very hostile towards uh, really me, uh, what the wrestling world is called for bad guys in wrestling. They're called heels. So towards yeah. the heel wrestlers, they're always very hostile towards them, swinging weapons and things of that nature. Wow. So, yeah, uh, Puerto do you- Rico uh, is horrible. I had two chances to go there. And, and luckily for me, I'm looking back as an older adult now. I'm glad I didn't go either time, to be honest with you. Wow. But uh, Japan are the most respected people, uh, professional wrestling fans. You're very correct. You've done your homework, young thank man. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so I was just going to ask you, uh, what was, for you personally, uh, the most hostile crowd you've ever uh, experienced for yourself? Oh, that's easy for me, man. South Africa. <laughs> South yeah. Africa. Really? Was, uh, in, yeah, because... When we were, when I was there in '92. Actually, the day I arrived in Johannesburg, I was staying in the airport, and and um, whispers just came over the crowd in the airport. It was packed. It was packed, and it was like mumbling. You just heard us mumbling. And I was, I'd been from Tampa to Miami, Miami to London, London to Johannesburg. So I'm exhausted, and I hear people going Mandela, Mandela. And Nelson Mandela come walking through. He had just coming in from some peace talks over in Switzerland, from what I understood in the paper the next day. But, um, yeah, he walked right beside me. I'm, I'm talking with his bodyguards, like, right off, and that was cool, man. Wow. But as far as the towns that they ran, Cape Town, uh, uh, Johannesburg, uh, it was in a small town, um, uh, it was like Peter Mitzvah, something like that. Anyway, it's in South Africa. Uh and man, the, the fans are very, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but they were very uneducated, uneducated to professional wrestling. In other words, they still believed everything that happened in that ring. Uh-huh. And when you're in there with, uh, there were some Indian, Indian type wrestlers and South African wrestlers. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wrestled a guy that was in the 1980 Olympics when the United States, uh, with the apartheid that took place there, you know, the United States boycotted Nazi the Olympics. I wrestled their heavyweight champion that was in the Olympics that year. Now, I've done it with several. Uh, I've wrestled several guys that had been former Olympians or, or collegiate champions. But in, nonetheless, uh, when you're beating them guys up over there, the fans were the indoor soccer arena, and they just was throwing batteries, cans <laughs> of Coke, cans of beer, uh, you know, just everything you can imagine. You could throw chairs. They was trying to get them over top of the net. Uh, you know, because we were like inside right. of the soccer arena and they had this net around it to protect, you know, balls went up the stands and stuff. And man, it was just crazy. They they were very, very hostile there. I'll say that. Um, I don't know if there's a rowdy as Puerto Rican fans, but they were darn darn close from what I know. <laughs> I've never heard that before for South African fans. That's Yeah, they're passionate then yeah. in that case. Um, yeah, yeah. A- another question I had for you, uh, going back into uh, your SWF days, which for those who don't know, it was called Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Or, oh, no, sorry. I, yeah, Smoky Ra- Wrestling. Yep, so SMW, sorry. I said SMF or SWF. Okay. Anyways, um, so you got to work with a fellow gentleman by the name of Jim Cornette, who yep. uh, many wrestling fans have a lot of mixed feelings about. But um, in terms of actual work, in terms of t- promos and things of that nature, uh, he was absolutely excellent behind a mic. He was very, very infectious. Uh, would you say that your time in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling helped you a lot in terms of a promo skills or was uh, was there another territory instead that you say actually Cornette helped you more? Guy. No, Jim Cornette. How can I not learn from him? I think Jim Cornette's one of the greatest managers of professional wrestling. Uh, he, he'll tell you, he says, Bobby Heenan, 
is a great manager, uh, was, and, and I agree he might be the number one. But to me, Cornette's my number one because, uh, first of all, he gave me my first break to the United States. I'd, like I said, I'd been I'd just come up from Australia, uh, actually, when I got a trial with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But then Jim Cornette to take the time to, uh, you know, hey, Bobby, here's, here's where this character is going to go. You know, you're going to be a little baby face from Eastern Kentucky, which is true, and, and you're going to reach out there and you're going to touch these people through the TV and make them believe in you. And, uh, yeah, so how could I not learn from one of the best in the business doing promos and, and doing interviews and things like that because I was there for almost three years. Um, I think in three years, uh, you know, he, he has that saying, you know, how can I miss you if you don't go away? And I'd get, you know, laid <laughs> off or I'd, he'd say, Bobby, go to another territory. And I'd be gone for like two or three months. But every time he called me right back, and, and I love Jim Cornette. I ain't afraid to say it because it's true. Uh, he, he, he done right by me, and I learned – so much there and the town I got to work with, you know, I got to work with some of the top talent, uh, that came through there because we had a set of, uh, baby faces, you know, rock and roll express and late Tracy Smothers myself. And then they'd bring in the heels to work with us, you know, so I got to work with, you know, a tremendous amount of people, uh, you know, dirty white boy, better Landell. And of course, Jerry, the King Lawler, I had that run with him. So how can I not like and think that, First, they put the junior heavyweight title on me because I weighed about maybe 210, 215. I had a good run with the late, great Chris Candido. And um, then the next thing you know, I was TV champion. And I just kept working there. And by year three, you know, here I am in a Smoky Mountain heavyweight championship match with Jerry the King Lawler. And everyone knows who Jerry the King Lawler is. And then I beat him and I beat Buddy Lindell. And, you know, so it was a good push. So, yeah, I contribute a lot to Jim Cornette. And the, and the good people at Smoky Mountain Wrestling while I was there. Man, that is such a nice thing. You see what I mean when he shakes hands with every I single person in the stadium? <laughs> and say, man, I got nothing bad to say about anybody here. But right? see, I don't think he thought about that going in. I think he was so honored to be able to yeah. be in the wrestling world. He was genuinely appreciative. But I have to tell you, my friend... You and I are so much alike, it's scary. I will flat not go to lunch with somebody if I'm in the middle of a good book. I <laughs> read like you've never seen. Yeah. And one of my idols, which I have a shrine at my house, is Dale Earnhardt. And when I got okay. to that part in the book where you guys kind of traded yeah. glances at the airport, I mean, it literally welled up and got goosebumps all at the same time yeah man you know i i never was a big person to go around getting autographs and now doing this while i was traveling that's just not me um i love to meet and shake your hand whatever that's good and some people there's time and place for everything and it was a, a sunday evening it was the year that down in daytona the smoke had they had to cancel right uh, it kept delaying the races because of forest fires and uh uh my dad was a huge Dale Earnhardt fan, you know, and who wasn't, right? Oh. But anyone, uh, anyway, rather, I got on that tram out there in Orlando that takes you out to your connecting flights. And, um, you know, he probably did not know who Bobby Blaze was. But being from Charlotte and seeing me at that time, you know, I was, I'm 6'1", I was about 235, I was tanned, I had the bleach blonde hair, he, <laughs> and I had a gold gym shirt on with a gym bag. He probably thought, yep, that's one of them wrestlers from up there in Charlotte. You know? Exactly. And he was with, he was with his wife. And I, and I sit there and I look at him, made eye contact, and, I, and I'm like, oh, man, I know that guy. And, I, and so in your mind, I go, click, click. Yeah. God bless it. That's Dale Earnhardt, man. I know. And he glanced up, and we made that eye contact, and I could tell. 
I said, that guy is exhausted as I am. Cause I'd been there for 10 days <laughs> and, and worked twice on some of those days, you know, in the, in the ring and traveled. Not only will I stay in Orlando and shoot the TVs for universal uh-huh. for the worldwide program. I had to go out and still do, you know, the, uh, the Saturday night live, not Saturday night live, but Saturday night programs in different towns like Tampa and Fort Myers and Jacksonville, where I was going. So I was, I was still traveling while I was there, and I was exhausted. I looked at him, I could tell, I like, this guy's been out doing 500 laps, you know, through the smoke or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he's just trying to get back to Charlotte. And a lot of people, my, my flights where I'm at, I only went through, if I was on USA, I went through Charlotte or Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. I went through Delta, I went through Cincinnati. So I'd see so many people you know, through the racing world. Oh, uh, yeah. What a better example to have than Dale Earnhardt that I saw, and I'm like, oh, man. And as I said in the book, uh, if there's one autograph I would have could have gotten yep. had I known what was going to happen, yep. I'd have got that for my dad because a lot of times I'd buy him a little car, oh, yeah. a scaled-down car or whatever, and, and if I could have, if I'd have, if I'd known what was going to happen in just a couple of short years, uh, I would have said, hey, man, I, I know you're tired, but could you sign this for my dad? He's, he's such a big fan. But anyway. Didn't mean to ramble on about that. But yeah. All right, on. Bobby. Hey, tell you what. Got one more segment. Yep. And I'm going to make you a promise right now. After your next match, if you want to come back on for another hour, Brandon and I will be more than honored to have you come back. Well, let me just get through this match and we'll see. Oh, you Don't even <laughs> worry about it, brother. My pleasure. That guy's already nervous. He's already nervous. All right, let's take yeah. a quick break. You're listening to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl. FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl. FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. John's Automotive Import Repair, 7447 University Avenue, Lovely La Mesa. Napa Auto Care, ASC certified, AAA approved. Warranty's good, clear across the continental United States. Check them out at com. Hey, we're talking to Bobby Blaze, one of the world-renowned wrestlers. I was going to say kind of in the 90s, the 2000s, but man's going to go out and do it again here just in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Super excited. Hey, well, we're going to send you this show. We're going to send you the show. You can do whatever you want to do with it. It's uh, The reason we do this is because people like you need to get be put on tape. So people yeah, could listen thanks. to you from here on out. And I've been doing radio for almost 30 years. And this is the honor of my life to be able to talk to guys like you that have given so much back to community, the sport, kids. I mean, all the way from A yeah, to Z. And and I like I, I just want you to know before we get to the end of the show, because Brandon and I already decided you're kind of like a racehorse. Once you open <laughs> up the gate, just sit back. You remind me of John Force is who you remind me of. <laughs> So you got there you, go. you got about ten minutes. Kind of tell us. Yeah. I mean, you've done so much. I understand you teach it at a prison. Uh, you're heavily involved with kids, yeah, I did. and you got a kids book. Tell us a little bit about your kids book. <laughs> well, I would call it a kids book. It does have adult language? Oh, is it okay? I, Brendan, you told me it was a kids book. I, it looked well, like it looked like a, it looked oh, like okay. Well, here's the deal. So there, there's three ebooks on there. One of them is uh, uh, it's called. Uh, Seasons F and Greetings, my favorite Christmas ever. And it's about when I was about 20, 21 years old and took a trip with my brother and my cousin and my aunt from uh, the mountains of Kentucky to the big city of Baltimore to spend a Christmas, and it just got crazy. Uh, I wouldn't call it a kid's book, I'll say that. Oh, okay. It's got adult humor in it. 
Um, it's it's just it's 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 an ebook only though. Okay. I've got another one that's called Megan. It's it's a it's about a hot wife on a DL. I do. I'm in a writing thing uh, on Twitter, a writing group, uh, writing thing, writing, and I I try to write. I am working on my third book. Just so you know this. Okay. I'm going to really put the effort into it after this next match. But I've got about three years worth of notes to put together for that. Perfect. And then I've got one called um, Yard Time. But that that short book or that short story on there on Amazon as an ebook only is also one of the chapters in uh, I kicked out on two J education wrestler. Uh, yeah, but the one I can see where he would have thought that would be a kid's book because the person that done the cover is cartoonish. Um, yeah, that's why I was it, assuming. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, I know. I had that uh, uh, the FN part in there, but it was <laughs> yeah. it was blurred out and everything. I was like, okay, well, I just, you know. yeah. yeah. And that was actually published in a couple other books as a short story uh, of some theme books uh, that a gentleman from Houston, Texas, asked me to write some stories for. Okay. Uh, that's why there's some different genres on there uh, because uh, someone reached out to me and said, "Hey, can you can you do this and and write a short story?" And I've written one that's uh, erotica. Uh, that was published in another book, you know, and that's for that. And then, I've, like I said, I've got that. And we'll call it a kid's story. Uh, just go to Bobby Blaze <laughs> on Amazon or type in Bobby Blaze on, on Google, and I, I'll come up, believe me. Um, don't believe everything you see on the Internet, of course. Though. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you do, do you do any motivational speaking? Because you would be awesome at high schools. <laughs> I have, but it's been a hot minute, man. I, like I said, I went through some issues. Um, uh, health-wise, oh. and then, of course, uh, uh, then that's the major, thankfully. I, ha- I had something happen in, in January of 2020, um, pre-COVID, and, man, it was just a um, – uh, the doctor said bad luck. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I had something go off my throat, and uh, I can't even think of what – well, anyway, I had to run a bunch of tests, blah, blah, blah. And then COVID uh, got out, and then in March of that year, you know, they shut things down and don't need to go and all that. But basically, like, you know what? I kept looking at my couch and my TV and my chair. Of course, I looked at the refrigerator a lot, too. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, if I ever get a chance to get back out there, I'm getting my butt back out there. I'm giving back to something I like and love, and that's right. professional wrestling. And that's kind of where the thing shifted gears, too, because I was like, you know, um, and it's no pity story. I was in a hospital. And I gave a speech to a group of students uh, on January 20th of this year uh, to the wrestling camp. There was two camps combined that day, and I just said, I want to thank everyone here, and I told them why, because three years ago at that point I was in a hospital bed, bed didn't know if I was going to be here. Right. But I'm still here, and I figure this. Uh, you know, if you if I get up, if you get up in the morning and you're still here, your mission's not over. You know, you got something to do. I'm here for a reason. Thank I don't know you. what that reason is. But I'm going to do it, and I think I know what it is. It's it's giving back, paying yeah. it forward, and um, you can choose every day whether it be love, kindness, gratitude. Yep. You know, I have a lot of gratitude, yeah. and um, I'm thankful for a lot of things, man. I'm thankful for this program, just meeting new friends and yeah. new people, and my voice get my voice out there. And uh, I hope they do buy my book. You know, I hope they I do they too. Either download it or or purchase it in print edition. And again, hit me up at my you know. Uh, social media circles there and uh i'll send one out to you know eager listeners like i said uh, the price is only five dollars difference because i'm gonna take the time to autograph it and also uh personalize it and i have to ship it out though you well, know brendan and i are both gonna i've already got you down on instagram and twitter so i'm gonna as soon as i get well i do like i said six hours of radio so i probably won't well, I could probably do it in the next segment because I got a canned uh, interview. Mm-hmm. So we're good to that. So, okay, so you got about five minutes. What are the final words you'd like to say just for this show? Because you are coming back. <laughs> oh, for this show, Matt, I want to say, hey, 
Brendan, thanks for reaching out to me, and and I appreciate that. And Dave, man, this is great. Uh, your professionalism is greatly appreciated. Uh, you guys obviously done your homework. Uh, thanks to the you know Yak Radio. I love that. I love that gimmick, man. That's great. Uh, <laughs> to the to the good people of San Diego and I guess LA that are hearing this program, man. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just a, uh, I started off in a small town in Kentucky, uh, Eastern Kentucky. And uh, I went out chasing my dream, and um, I, I've got a thing I put on Twitter quite a bit. How do you feel about going out and living your dream? Well, I got to live mine. Right. And, um, you know, it's still kind of continuing uh, because I, I do have this upcoming match that I never really anticipated doing, to be honest with you. But I'm going to, and uh, I'm going to make the best of the opportunities given to me. And I am working on a third book. But um, – Stay tuned, man, because if you have me back, uh, next time I'll have maybe more stories for you about what took place in this match or what have you. But um, we just scratched, just, hey, uh, we just scratched the surface on the book. Yeah, Holy yeah. mackerel. I mean, your yeah. career is so long, and we oh. just want, we, we only scratched the tiniest bit. Oh, of my it God. Too, so we got we to gotta dig deeper. Wait, and the other thing that, I, I, that you've done that I've never, ever seen an author do. You had that one section right after you ended the story, the book. <laughs> then you had this group of people that you reached out to, and they gave their opinion of you. I've not seen that. I mean, you may see yeah. it in the beginning of the book. You might see it at the end. I think that was a very smart thing to do because it, it just gave another light on Bobby Blaze. And I, I think that yeah. was great for the reader. I really do. Thank you. Yeah, and I reached out to a lot of people, and I didn't discard anyone. Um, I took I took the ones that came in that re- took the time to write me back right. and send something in. And, um, you know, I appreciate it because those are people that I dealt with professionally and personally, and that meant something to me that if that's the way they, they took the time. Even Jim Cornette wrote the, uh, yeah. the forward to my book. So, I mean, he, him taking the time to write the forward to that book, uh, was a, was a great honor right. for Jim Cornette to do that for me. He didn't have to do that after these many years. And up until before COVID, I used to see, see Jim at uh, conventions or some of these uh, wrestle cons that I go to. Sure, because um, I still do those. I, I do I do make personal appearances. I was in North Carolina uh, back in November. I've got a couple uh, this year already scheduled uh, in, in my home area, uh, wrestle cons and wrestle cades and and things of that sort. But um, I used to see Jimmy a couple of times a year before COVID, and, and uh, man, that's, you know, it, it, he didn't have to write that forward to my book, but he did. You it know? was, yeah, it and, was um, a very, in fact, if you ever get out here to San Diego for whatever reason, I mean, I also do local television on the number one watch morning show. Uh, I will put right your on. happy butt on TV, and then uh, we'll have you come in for an hour or so doing radio as well, if you ever get out here be my pleasure with i might have to look into taking care of that well i've never i've been to california quite uh several times i won't say quite often several times um i wrestled out in santa bernardino with wcw right. there i've stayed in la and layovers and hung out there a couple of days but i never got to go to san diego we used to talk about teaching earlier uh when i was teaching some after school program with the kids my supervisor got to go to san diego oh. and i got to go to texas oh. i got to go to I got to go to right outside Houston, Texas. So, right. but that was that's, yeah, hey, you know, I wasn't the supervisor. So there you go, Bobby. She made that decision and good for her. I don't I'll know if San Diego one day. All right, you may not believe it, but that was an hour. Woo! Quick, <laughs> one hour time limit. Why do you think I do six hours, brother? Uh, we are going to be friends for life, and we will be in touch. I'll send you the show, or Brendan will send you the show. Yeah. 
and we will have you back on and give the family and everybody in, in town a big hug for us. All right, brother. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. You ought to know right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 